Welcome back to the Own Your Potential podcast, where you'll hear stories from leaders across the globe about how they've taken control of their career growth and lessons on how you can too. I'm Peter Sherba, and today I'm very excited to be sitting down with Reva Bhatia, who's the head of industry marketing at Publicis Sapien. Reva, very excited to have you on the podcast today. I think this is going to be an excellent conversation. Why don't we just jump right into it? Can you take us through your career journey leading up to today? Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for having me. First and foremost, I'm excited to be here today. Um, so I currently work at Publicis Sapien. I am the head of industry marketing. And my path to this role has been a little unique. Um, this is actually my first role in marketing. Um, mm. My career started uh, way back when, a um, handful of moons ago, uh, as a bright-eyed and bushy-tailed graduate from Arizona State University. Yeah. Stories on my time at ASU, forthcoming in this episode, <laughs> I'm sure, um, where I majored in supply chain management. And after graduating from from Arizona State with with that degree, there were really a handful of paths and companies that people wanted to work at. And one of them was a rotational program uh, at General Mills. And so I ended up actually um, taking my first gig out of college as a buyer for packaging at General Mills. Uh, I know more about flexible packaging and <laughs> what goes into packaging and than most people should. Uh, but it was a really interesting role out the gate, right? Like it, it taught me the ins and outs of corporate life. And as a part of that first opportunity I had, one of the functional areas that I engaged quite a bit with in that role was marketing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while my degree was in supply chain, I thought, you know, those people in marketing, they seem to be having a good time. Like their creative <laughs> juices are really flowing. And so um, at, when I was at General Mills at the time, I was presented with at least what they considered to be a pretty unique opportunity to do a cross-functional rotation out of supply chain and into marketing. So I accepted a role in marketing um, where I only spent one year at the time, um, but I was doing uh, basically marketing to a grocery store. So I was oh, cool. responsible for trying to make sure like Cheerios and Pillsbury products had a solid footing on the shelves of a specific grocer. Um, and when I was in that role, I was actually presented, this was back in 2010, um, with a really unique opportunity. A headhunter gave me a call and um, BP at the time was in the midst of the Gulf oil spill. And they had, you know, they were looking for, frankly, like young talent to come in who had a mix of both supply chain and marketing experience to help reshape their retail operations. Mm. Um, And, you know, I'm not going to self-aggrandize the seniority of the role, but what I will say is that given what BP was going through at the time, perhaps I was given, you know, maybe more solid footing than I otherwise would have. I was into kind of the ambiguity and chaos that was occurring at the company at the time and joined a role also in supply chain. So leaving marketing and going back to my supply chain roots. 
um, you know, basically in procurement doing buying gigs, um, where I flexed kind of a mix of marketing muscles and supply chain muscles in getting materials to gas stations, like literally the most simple thing you could possibly think of, um, that turned out to not be that simple and required, you know, quite a bit of left brain, right brain thinking in terms of creativity and data analysis. And, um, I spent a handful of years at BP bopping around, um, different kinds of supply chain oriented roles. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I realized while I was there is that I, I really loved marketing still. And I continue to engage with that functional area. And I was like, damn, I want to I do more creative stuff in my career. And so while I was at BP, I got my MBA from Northwestern and Very I focused cool. on marketing and strategy and leaving Northwestern you know, I was given kind of a fork in the road opportunity where I was like, do, do I want to go into marketing or do I want to, um, you know, follow the path that many people do? And as you could hear when I was at ASU, I'm like, everybody goes to a, a rotational program in supply chain. And I kind of fell prey to a similar, I guess you could say, pattern after business school. I was like, everybody goes into consulting. Yeah. And I ended up going into consulting for um, two years and it was great. I made some amazing friends and, and nurtured some amazing connections, but still had that itch to get into marketing. And I was given this opportunity about three and a half years ago to join the marketing team at Publicis Sapient. Um, it was a big risk for the organization at the time, like yeah. you're bringing in somebody who has you know, tangential marketing experience, though not deep. Um, how much do you believe that people are learning a functional area when they're getting their MBA? That was put to the test, but it brought me here. And I have loved every minute of it, to, to be honest. Um, the team is phenomenal. I'm learning um, the ins and outs of every marketing functional area you could, you could imagine. Um, yeah. We're putting out some really cool shit, you know, like to put it bluntly and... Yeah maybe have to throw in a bleep later, but we're putting out some really amazing stuff to grow our brand. And so, yeah, it's been an amazing ride. And um, I definitely have the battle wounds of somebody who's always wanted to transition to a functional area and and finally got the opportunity to do that. So excited to dig in more. Very cool. Absolutely. And I mean, there's so much that I want to jump into, but like yeah. right out of the gate, right? Uh, one thing that you said uh, about your initial experiences at General Mills and maybe even at, at BP about these very like specific roles. And I find that, uh, you know, across my career as a consultant and it was my initial co-ops or internships during my university career, I got the opportunity to get exposed to a bunch of different industry side or client side organizations. And I also worked at one of the biggest telcos in Canada, um, pre being in consulting. And one thing that was really interesting to me is that there are a lot of people at different organizations like that, that have roles that are incredibly specific, right? So much. Yeah. And, and, and they are the foremost experts at those things. And I'm curious, right. As you went through your time at General Mills and as you went then later through your time at BP and you had kind of a bunch of different roles that were hyper specific to those industries and to those organizations, how did that kind of help shape did that, I, I guess the, the, the level of specificity of those roles, was that kind of one of the factors that was pushing you towards marketing, which is maybe more transferable? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. I haven't thought about it that way. I mean, I will say I had moments where I was like negotiating contracts for flexible packaging or negotiating contracts for lights that yeah. go into gas stations. And I'm like, how did I get here? And why do I know so much about this thing? Now? Exactly. 
Because, you know, my degree was in supply chain, which is frankly like getting products from point A to point B to point C. And it's like pretty general and you need to know a lot about a lot of different things. And to translate that into something that is so niche as like being the person to buy lights that go into a gas station is is a is a tremendous leap. And and I will say, like, I do love um, the element of marketing being transferable to your point. Like, it feels like what I am doing applies more to society. And I'm like better at trivia now than I would be, (laughs) you know, or like buying, um, you know, hoses for gas pumps or, you know, whatever you want to say. And so, um, you know, that is an element, though, I will say, like, also, the the you struck me when you said like there are people doing these jobs at these companies that are so niche. I have a deep appreciation for multi-billion dollar organizations and, and the volume of SMEs that they have contributing to that engine. Right. Like, um, there are people who make careers out of very specific things and throw themselves into that fully. And I, I, knew I wanted that. Um, and I'm the kind of person who's super passionate and I, you know, like will find glimmers of love in whatever I'm doing. Like I, you know, found love in buying flexible packaging and like had my moments of shiny hope, but like, could I imagine a world where I was doing that 30 years later? Absolutely not. Were there people on the team who were doing that for 25, 30 years? Yes. And that, I mean, I have a tremendous amount of like hats off respect for those types of individuals. Um, But again, like me as just an individual, I I learned at that point in my career that like more, frankly, like generalist roles, one and two roles that allow me to flex my creative chops more so than like, um, you know, traditional roles in supply chain perhaps would let you do um, was also really important to me. And then the final thing that I'd note with marketing is like, you see the outputs of what you're doing every day, right? When I negotiated a killer contract for a great deal on awesome lights, I, I, while gas stations are lit, like you don't feel that as much as you do like this, um, you know, campaign that's out the door and, you know, or like this, um, you know, a content series that's out the door, whatever, dot, dot, dot. And so, um, yeah, like that, that picking up on that early learning in my career, that like feeling and touching what I'm putting out into the world is really important to me as a leader. No, I, I mean, that resonates deeply with me just because even when I think back a decade ago to what made me interested in consulting and specifically at Publicis Sapient, I saw a sizzle reel and back then it was Sapient Nitro. So it was much more focused on digital marketing, but they played this sizzle reel at a campus event where I saw brands like Call of Duty, Nike, Foot Locker, Audi, McLaren. I'm like, I care about I every single one of those brands. There. I get yeah. to go do something yeah. with one of those companies. Yeah. Sign me up, right? And so it resonates with me, the idea of getting to see these campaigns, these broad reaching things that you in some form contribute to the machine that made those things possible, right? Because I think it's, you know, I think it'd be... Um, Naive to say that there aren't very specialized roles that people play inside of marketing companies or inside of right. technology consulting companies or whatever that, you know, you fall into that trap as well. If, well, I think traps the wrong word. You can fall into that sort of situation as well. Um, trap for someone who thrives as a generalist. And I exactly. think both of us I resonate mean, with that. I love the niche element. Like, yeah. right. 
Yeah, spot and on. They, they, and there are absolute SMEs that are like, to your point, incredible at what they do. But what I admire about your path, right, is that you had to become a SME in a bunch of different roles that were very niche, but different from each other along your way to finding out that, you know what, no, I really do need to be a generalist. But you had to learn a lot of new things, a lot of different times and become a SME very quickly to be able to do the job of a supply chain analyst or whatever the case may have been. Acknowledge that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, and I will also say on top of that, like it's, I think one of the messages that stands out most profoundly in my path today is how difficult it is when you are niche, when you are deep in a topic to transition out of that. Like I think a lot of people underestimate the challenge that comes with waking up one day and being like, I don't want to be in finance anymore. I want to do, I want to do marketing. I don't want to be in marketing anymore. I want to do strategy. You know, that people I think take for granted that even in multi-billion dollar organizations, orchestrating cross-functional moves where you're not, um, you're not taking a big hit on your salary, on your title, on your like, uh, on your, you know, taking a big hit on the, what you've built today and you're, um, still able to make that transition is really tough to do. It's really tough to do. Um, and it required, honestly, like me changing companies, frankly, um, it, it wasn't within the realm of possibility where I was at before. And, um, you know, I think now I have a tremendous amount of respect for people who've orchestrated those transitions at different points in their career. It takes a lot, takes a lot of effort. Now I am curious though, because I think that there is an inherent safety with being able to shift to disciplines or business units or whatever the case is, career trajectories inside of an organization when you've built up cachet and relationships. And there's a much longer runway and grace period of, you know, allowing you to learn a new role if you pivot oh, out of something. However, you know, I you just know. thought, I, I think it's also this easier though. Debate, I think, Peter, I well, think. Like- yeah, I mean, just I think if you, for example, it's easier to sell yourself potentially to an external organization, right? Because you could yeah. tell your story without them having any context or of your baggage, right? I think the challenge I had, I'm just going to be really direct. Um, the challenge I had at BP was that it was hard for them to see me as somebody other than like a supply chain strategist. Interesting. And I had been working so much with the marketing team. That's like, the, you know, like as much as they knew, I knew marketing, it was hard for them to see me, I think is something other than right. um, a procurement person. Um, right. One. And, and two, I also think, and this isn't symptomatic of BP specifically, but I will say just an observation I've had with, with friends, colleagues, peers, mentors, et cetera, generally is, um, Oftentimes it becomes challenging for organizations. Like here's Rava, somebody who's in procurement. Um, am I going to promote her, put her into a role in marketing over somebody who's like slogged in marketing? And right. what would the perception be if I do that? And there are all these political landmines that come with these cross-functional moves that frankly, I hadn't ever considered until I wanted to do one, right? Where it's Interesting. like- you know, it's going to be hard for an organization to put me as a manager level, having no experience in the functional area and overlooking other people who are due for a promotion who've been in this functional area for years at this company. And so, you know, I think for me, at least where I was at professionally, I was like, as much as I loved the organization, um, I was at a point where I'm like, I'm going to get more out of leaving. And frankly, I could always come back once I've earned my stripes. Um, 
once I've earned my stripes, turns out, you know, it's not the top interest of me right now at this point in my career to go back. But, uh, you know, sometimes that, and that's another thing that's been a big learning for me. Like sometimes you need to leave in order to get what you need out of your career yeah. at the time, which is a risky move to take. But yeah, for sure. And I think there's an there's a, there's a fine line to balance, you know, trying to exhaust the value you can get out of your current organization, whether it's the flexibility or the compensation or title or whatever the case is. And once you've, you know, once you have exhausted that and you don't see a path to what it is that you want to achieve, then looking outwards simply is what you have to do. I think also in parallel, always keeping the ear to the ground and understanding your value externally is an important thing, right? There's no question of that. 1000%. A mentor at one point in my career it was when I was at General Mills, it was the first mentor I ever had professionally. So I was like 22 at the time. Mm-hmm. And she said something that sticks with me to this day, which is, you know, she had spent her whole career at General Mills. And I I had asked her a question around like when she pulses the marketplace. And she was like, Rava, every day I come to work at General Mills, it is a choice for me. And I have made the decision to always be interviewing, always understand my market value, always understand that I have other options. Because when I know I have other options, I am a better employee here because I know it is a choice to come here every day and I'm not trapped. And That has been, I think, one of the most um, molding statements that I've ever heard from a mentor. And that professionally since then, every time I come to a job, every time I work someplace, every day, it's a choice to go there. And I know that I can find something else because I'm constantly looking for other things, right? Like I'm constantly aware of what the market can offer me and what my value is and what, you know, I'm constantly interviewing. I constantly have other irons in the fire. And that makes me better at where I'm at because I know I want to be here as a choice to be here. That is an incredibly powerful sentiment. And I think there's a couple elements as to why I say that. One being that the idea of your attendance of your job and your performance at your job being a choice, not out of necessity, not out of like some feeling of loyalty, but because you have determined it's the best thing for you is going to make you perform that much better. I think that is incredibly important takeaway from that. Another piece about it, this idea of constantly having irons in the fire, constantly interviewing that gives you repetitions in telling your story and it hones your ability to tell your story and testing that externally where people don't know you just makes it that much more powerful tool when you're telling your story internally to try and secure what it is that you want and you feel you deserve inside your own organization. I think that's another element that's super powerful about that. But then finally, you know, I think this flips the idea on its head that somebody who's always looking is you know, always one foot out the door. That's not no. necessarily the case. It, what no. you just described yeah. that in fact, it further validates your happiness with your role in the organization you're at and, and makes you a better employee. I think that's really important both for people to that are listening to this, that maybe are leaders with teams that report into them or somebody who is, you know, doing the interviewing in both directions. That's a huge takeaway, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm as a leader now, if people tell me they're interviewing, of course, you know, you're a, a standard leader's inclination will be like, are we not enough? Are we not giving you enough? What is it that's missing? I'm inclined to be like, cool, like see what else is out there. See, yeah. you know, like I, I, cause, cause I think that, um, it's more harmful for people to not know what else is out there and feel trapped in their job. For that sure. to me, um, that to me promotes worse behaviors than somebody who actually like chooses to come to work every day here 
over other places, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think the other thing that's interesting about what you articulated with your time at PP and the fact that you could not escape your branding as a supply chain person, right? Or procurement person. Yeah. In spite of the fact that you were multi-hatting and supporting the marketing team, you know, off the side of your desk, I think that just goes to show you how much effort you have to put in when it is that you want something in an organization that steps you outside of your current area of expertise, right? And you want to make a shift that, you know, in spite of the fact that you were doing that already, right? You have to, depending on the organization, maybe go that much further if you wanted to secure it internally. Um, and but then at that point. I think it is important to understand that you should weigh the opportunity cost of like really stretching yourself thin and killing yourself to do all these additional things and demonstrate your ability to do, let's say, the marketing role in this context, right? Versus like, what if I just put this into effort into interviewing and then I could maybe get an even stronger, better role? It's so interesting you reflect on that because one of the moments when I was at BP where I'm like, maybe I should leave was when I was, I was at Northwestern with somebody and he was doing an engineering supply chain role at another company. Um, and he interviewed for roles in marketing at BP and was accepted into this leadership rotational program in marketing. And him and I had the same degree. We took classes together and he was accepted yeah. into this program. And I remember going to HR and saying, hey, you know, do you, would I be eligible? And and look, I, I have nothing but respect for for the leaders. And, you know, I st- many of my best friends still work at BP. So so no slight on them. But at the time, they're like, this is only open to external candidates who we recruit from MBA programs. That's tough. And, and because I was an existing employee, I wouldn't be eligible to be transitioned into this rotational program. And I get it. Like, I get it. There are all these, you know, ticky tacky reasons that it wouldn't be possible. But here was somebody with literally my exact CV, same years of work experience, same MBA, same program, same major, same focus areas, getting into this program when I was hustling to try to work my way in. And in that moment, I realized that, look, there's something to be valued around like the stigma of somebody, like not the stigma, but I guess the intrigue that comes in from hiring somebody externally and like how you can position yourself differently than if you're branded as an internal person. And so I will say like that, like a flips, a, a switch flipped for me at that moment where I'm like, you know what? Like, I think I can get more out of my career and out, like, frankly, of what I want by, by leaving at this point. For sure. And I think that that's a really important thing for anyone that maybe finds themselves in that sort of situation, you know, takes away from this to understand that that may simply be the path. Right. And I think one thing that I want to circle back on though, is, you know, just in hearing you talk about your kind of leniency towards being a generalist, towards flexing your creativity, right? That seems very core to you. And that's also consistent with conversations we had prior to the podcast. So I'm wondering, how did you end up studying supply chain in the first place before we move, before we move on to the later parts of your career? But how did that happen? I mean, so like, okay, my dad, my dad is, um, an immigrant from India and he is an engineer. Um, he, I mean, like growing up, I'd often hear like multiple times, like I came to this country with nothing but like admittance into Berkeley and the desire to be, he was a civil engineer, but like ended up being a rocket scientist. Like that's what he did. For okay. Wow. Yeah. Chill. No big deal. And so like, frankly, like, um, I'd say like more technically oriented positions were always something that like, I feel like I was framed up to do in my life. And like, 
Can we talk about for a second how, like, when you're 17 years old, you have no idea. None at all. People have no idea. And I do feel like the youth today, dare I say it, I sound (laughs) a little bit, but like the youth today, I feel like um, are being raised differently perhaps than I was, or maybe like at the time I was raised where they explore more and they're like given more of a license to like explore different parts of themselves and find where their true strengths are. For me, like my after school programs were like supplemental math classes (laughs) and so like the notion of me like exploring like do you want to be in advertising wasn't ever even like a part of the equation so so that's one element that made me choose supply chain when i was you know 17 18 years old the second is and this sounds awful but like my whole life today up until me taking this job was a series of like very rational decisions, probably because of my upbringing. I, um, I lived in Arizona at the time and I had a full ride scholarship to ASU. ASU was actually, they paid me to go there. Um, um, and so, and I, and I was looking at where ASU excelled and what their top programs were and they were top ranked for supply chain. And so again, rational decision to go to ASU, it was, you know, obviously, from a monetary perspective, the wise thing to do, wise to major in supply chain management. It's what they're known for. Um, when I graduated with my degree in supply chain management, I'm like, what do people who graduate with this degree do? And I mentioned like everybody wanted to work at General Mills, BP, those types of companies that had large supply chain organizations. So another rational move to do that, a rational move to move to BP, a rational move to get my MBA when I lived in Chicago to at a top you know business school. And it was like, I've been very privileged to have been given access to these rational decisions, but yeah. you know, at a certain point you look back and it's that song, like, how did I get here? Like, yeah. you know, like it's just a series of me being like, okay, well, this is what comes next in life. So like, this is what I'm going to do. Step, step, step. And I feel like I kind of blew up the script a little bit when I, when I finally realized like I wanted to make a cross-functional move. Right. And, and so that's where. I think I started to break outside of my comfort zone a little bit and start to do things that felt a little less rational, frankly. Yeah. And I look back on where I would be if I hadn't done that, right? And I'd still be trekking along in procurement, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but it's so not where my strengths are, I'm realizing. Right. Yeah. I think that's super interesting. And along the way, it feels like you have learned to kind of tell your story in a number of different ways. And I say that only because you know, you go from a background kind of in supply chain, then you, you know, in parallel, you do your MBA while working at BP, but then you go into management consulting, right? Which is a bit of a shift, right? And that gives you that generalist uh, kind of role that maybe you're looking for. Um, but then from there, right? You then go and you, you sell yourself into a relatively senior marketing role, right? For a consulting company. Which, yeah. which again is like you, you, you flirted with marketing and you did it off yeah. the side of your desk, but you did it in the more traditional sense where you were doing marketing for companies that provided like a product or a service or whatever. And you were marketing that product and service. Yes. Consulting companies do that too, but it is fundamentally different than like yes. an organization with a product. Very and different. So, yeah. yeah. And like, I guess I'm curious, how did help people understand how did you sell yourself? What, how did you position yourself when you oh wanted this role at PS uh, in marketing, coming out of management consulting and supply chain and an MBA, like those things, how did they turn into a marketing leadership role? 
I will say, well, I have a few, few responses to this. The first is I feel like my career path led me to being highly searchable for the role that I ended up getting on LinkedIn. I I had consulting, I had um, retail. My first role at Publicis Sapient was was being the the head, and I still do this role, uh, industry marketing lead for retail. So, right. so um, the recruiter at the time found me, and they were looking for somebody who knew retail. They were looking for somebody who knew marketing, and that's what my degree was in. And they were looking for somebody who knew consulting, and I worked in consulting. And so, like, I feel like it was just a happy accident that I was like highly searchable on LinkedIn under these like certain terms that the recruiter was looking for. Um, but I didn't have any marketing experience. And so she interviewed, the recruiter was my first interview, um, after having found me and, and I think, you know, we just vibed like, you know, as everybody's had those like interviews where you're like, Oh my God, like that's not going to go anywhere. And her and I gelled the recruiter and I at the time. And she's like, I like your energy. I think you'd be a good culture fit for the team. And so my next step was meeting with the person who would be my boss. Um, and she pulled up my resume. I could tell she pulled it up for the first time. Um, when we were on, on the session together on the interview and, I, she's a good friend now and a mentor and I love her. And, but at the time I heard her pull it up and her exact words were tattooed to my memory. I don't know why I'm talking to you. And I was just like, and, and in that moment I went into like cell mode. I was like, here's why you're talking to me. Here's what the recruiter saw in me that I think you should see in me too. Here's why I think I'd be a good fit. Um, and, and, and the conversation obviously proceeded from there. And I think, you know, her and I, like I said, have a relationship now. So obviously we, we, we vibed throughout the balance of the session. Um, and I followed up with like a lengthy email that I actually has showed her recently. I'm like, remember this where I hard sold myself again. I'm like, I know I don't have a traditional background, but here's why I think you should take a chance. Yeah. And it ended up working out. And, um, her and I went to dinner a few, few months ago, actually. And, and like, I, I I'm going to get choked up saying it. And I got choked up at the time. She was like, you are the best hire I've ever made in my career. Wow. And like for her, it was, it was obviously a huge risk to be like this goon who's never actually done marketing. I'm going to bring her into like a relative, to your point, like a relatively senior role in marketing. And it made me, frankly, I think it's like people who are religious converts, you know, like like they tend to be the most evangelical. Like I converted to marketing and I'm the most evangelical. Like I, I geek out over it. Like I ended up doing my own research. I took supplemental classes from Northwestern to like learn the ins and outs of areas that were blind spots for me, like marketing analytics, marketing operations, media buying. These are areas where I had no experience and I knew I needed to fill blind spots. And because I was a convert, because I chose it, because I didn't fall into it, I was that much more passionate about proving myself in it. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it was, it's been an interesting ride, but to your point, like, it wasn't like, Oh, it was easy. Once I had the conversation, like it was a sell for me to even come here. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a fascinating ride. Well, I think that is incredibly important to, uh, highlight there is that it, yes, it was maybe, uh, an opportunistic uh, moment that you popped up in a search and then you hit it off with the recruiter. And that is just a, you know, that, but that is also a skill set to be charismatic, to be relatable, right. To be able to build a relationship with somebody very quickly in a call. That's a skill set in itself. So obviously you flex that, but beyond that, right. The 
perseverance to see that, you know, there is a, in spite of the fact that I'm maybe not the most qualified candidate, but there is a match here. And I do believe I fit here. And then to fight for yourself by doing that hard sell across a couple different dimensions, that can't be lost, right? Because that, those are conscious decisions that you make. Because somebody else very well may have been like, well, that went pretty well, but let's just see what happens. And if they don't do the follow-up, maybe they don't ever get actually seriously considered for the role. But then the most important thing beyond that is, is like you didn't just immediately step in and be a rock star because you sold yourself really well and you had all this potential. You then continue to learn and build skills I in parallel on your own merit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That can't be lost here because I think that I think that uh, a lot of the time we can gloss over the fact that there's a lot of hard work that happens in parallel if you want to make a leap into a new functional area where you don't have a ton of concrete experience, but not take a step back in your career. That because otherwise the compromise is you take a step back in your career, right? And and, and I have to think that that was probably part of what contributed to how in, motivated you were to continue to develop those skills. So that way you can continue advance forwards as opposed to stagnating or stepping backwards. And that was a choice, right? When I was, you know, going back to my time at BP, um, I think that that's a really pivotal reflection where like, I, I knew I could potentially go for more junior roles and like take a step back in my career and basically start from square one. But I, I was resolved that that was frankly, like denigrating the quality of the experiences that I'd had. Like, I don't, I didn't think I needed to start from square one. I had had experiences that I knew would make me an effective marketing leader, even though they weren't marketing skills, even though it wasn't direct marketing experience. And I was resolved, like I was resolved to not have to take a step back. And so you're, you're absolutely right. It did take a sense of perseverance. I'm still learning. I'm still self-educating every day. Um, and I, and I will say like, I communicate a lot with people who've been in marketing their whole career, right? Most people who are in marketing have spent many years in marketing. And I do think there's something to be said about not marketing is one of those areas that evolves very quickly and changes very rapidly, right? Marketing the way it is today is very different than it was 30 years ago. Of course. And, and people maybe not like neglecting to continue their education just because they've been in a trade for three years. I, I I feel like I don't, I don't see enough of that. Like people who are like, shoot, like what is programmatic media by shoot? What it, what are these like new things, these new trends that are emerging? Um, and, and taking the time to invest in learning, even though you've been in a functional area for a long time is something that I don't see frankly enough of. And maybe that's because people don't literally love what they're doing. Who knows? Well, yeah, I mean, there, that is potentially part of it, right? Because I, I think that there is a real scenario in which many people experience where they fall into a career because of what they studied and the opportunities that they simply had at their disposal at the time. They you know, were motivated, so they progressed in that career, but maybe they slowly veered further and further away than from the direction they actually wanted to go. But at that point, you know, they maybe have the same result. They don't want to take a step back in their career, their life and their costs and their situation has scaled with their earning and their career stage. And then it becomes very difficult to take that sort of risk. Right. And I think that's okay. But then again, doubling down on this idea that if you still want to eventually put it back to maybe what it was that your dream path was, it's going to take that much more work if you want to avoid the massive step back. And and so, so that's really important. But here's the reality is you've done this, right? Not only have you not taken a step back, but you've also accelerated and been, you know, grown into a more senior role since then. And now you're head of industry marketing as a whole for Publicis Sapien. So 
Talk about what that's like from focusing on you know one specific industry vertical to now leading that across industry verticals. That's a huge scope for a big company. And again, marketing something that is maybe a little bit less traditional in terms of managed services than like a product, right? Or a technology suite. If you could do B2B marketing, I feel like you could, and B2C, anybody listening to this who does product marketing will be like, you goon. But um, I I feel like B2B marketing is hard, man, because we're trying to catch an audience who are like senior level leaders and we want to convince them to buy like professional services. And at the end of the day, like it's very hard to catch people when they're in the frame of mind to buy professional services. And so it requires a very unique set of skills. It requires a certain inclination towards experimenting with different tactics. But anyways, it's not easy. I, you know, your question is, how did you, how did you position yourself to grow? And, you know, this is the cheesiest response that I may give you today, but I truly love what I do here. I truly love what I do. And I think this organization is set up to really, um, uh, value experimentation. And that's something that frankly, I love doing. And so it was a happy accident that I joined a team and I joined an organization led, led by Teresa, um, Barrera, our our CMO who really values like that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, and, and, you know, coming in and, experimenting with a lot of different tactics and a lot of different channels and trying a lot of new things. All of that, I think, um, helped us elevate our programming to how we were going to market for the one practice I oversaw at the time and positioned me to scale to, to lead, to lead the team in aggregate. Um, I also beyond loving what I do, um, I have tremendous respect for the team that I'm on and now lead. Um, They're fantastic marketers. Many of them have been doing marketing their whole career. Many of them have that curiosity and that desire to learn. And, um, you know, feeling like you are partners with the people you're on your team with is an amazing feeling to have. And, um, you know, that I think is something that the leadership here as I've grown into the role that I'm now in acknowledge that, you know, that, that partnership that I have with the folks on the team that I'm now leading, um, can help catapult us even further into success. So I think that those are really some of the the key parameters that, that led me to where I'm, where I'm at today, but I can't underscore enough the value of truly loving what you do and having, having that be a part of your foundation, because, um, frankly, it's much easier to grow and it's less of a slog if you actually enjoy the work. For sure. And I, I, you know, I think that, uh, it is certainly a privilege and I commend you for following or for finding the role in which you do love what you do truly. And I think, uh, for people who find themselves maybe in a role where wholly it is not exactly what they love, but finding something within the role that they love still allows them to push forwards and and you know work hard. That's so true. Like and and look, it's not all like lollipops, cherries, and roses for me. Like there's some days where I'm like, I don't want to do this. This sucks. Yeah. Or, this feels like a slot. Everybody has those moments. Everybody has those tasks. Everybody has those projects. Like that exists, but finding the moments that you love and like yeah. leaning in to those types of projects, leaning into those types of initiatives, leaning into leaning into that um, to drive your joy in what you do is, is so, so, so important. For sure. And I, I'm surprised maybe, and maybe you did uh, recognize this along the way, right. And it was part of the story that you sold, but just not hearing it yet now. And in that, particularly into moving into like B2B marketing uh, for managed managed services company or consulting company. The fact that you had management consulting experience, the fact that you had industry experience 
in functional areas that might actually benefit from consultants, right? Yeah. And that yeah. you didn't come from a straight marketing background, I think gave you a much greater capacity to truly understand the work that a company like Google Sapient does, which to me, that is a very powerful thing in terms of being able to be an effective marketer because you both understand the buyers of our service and you understand the people or the service that we're selling. And that I think is like the huge unlock in terms of how to successfully market it. Empathy, right? Like having a degree of empathy for your buyers, the sellers, the audience around you, it, it does make you, it's, it's critically important in marketing, um, yeah. having a degree of empathy uh, because it comes across in what we put, put into market. So, so yeah, I, I do, I agree that that diverse background, um, I, I think adds incremental value to the role that I'm in today. Um, but I can't, I can't, you know, underscore this enough that it, that it's a risk for marketing leaders sure. to bring in people who have, you know, no experience in the functional area that which they're hiring in, right? Like it was a risk. It was a risk for my manager at the time. It's, it was a risk for Teresa and I can't thank her enough for being willing to take that risk and continue to take that risk. And it, it could have gone horribly wrong if I didn't have that curiosity and that passion for, for where I've landed. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, but I, but I fully agree And leaders who listen to this and leaders who are engaging in, in, you know, this content, I, I would encourage you to take risks on people who maybe don't have that conventional CV, right? Like it, yeah. it, you know, sometimes you need a diverse perspective to shake things up a little bit, frankly, and, you know, start asking the important questions on why is it that we're doing things the way we are? Cause sometimes if you've been in that area for so long, you, you stop asking questions. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious because, you know, to me, you come across as a person that has that has had a vision for themselves because of the fact that you stayed true to your desire to move into marketing for so many years and you made decisions that were consistent with achieving that vision ultimately. And now you're doing so. But from here, though, you're in marketing, you're in a senior leadership role with big scope. Like, what does the next five or 10 years look like for you? Like, what is the vision from here onwards uh, yeah. in, in your career in marketing and beyond? I'm very curious to hear that. Yeah, I mean, I love marketing. And so the the my next five to 10 will include a con continued progress and growing, growing in this functional area. Um, like I said before, I do think effective marketing leaders have experience doing other things. I'd be yeah. very open to dipping my toe back into the strategy world. Um, but I think it's all in hopes of making me a better marketing leader. And yeah. in that vein, I hope to be a s executive level marketing leader in 10 years, right? Like I, you know, I've joked with Teresa before. I'm like gunning for what you do. I want your yeah. job. Um, and, and, and that's my ambition. Right. And, and so life sometimes gets in the way, you know, it's hard to like look in a, look in a um, crystal ball and fully predict what, what will happen. But um, as you can tell, and as you can hear, I, I have a passion for, for what we're doing here. And, Absolutely. And so that's my, that's my ambition. And today's for this, I'm not going to take you out. I promise. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I mean, uh, she should be worried though. Cause you're obviously a very driven person. Now that said, I love that word ambition. I think it is one that is underused. And I also think that wearing your ambition on your sleeve, the way you just have articulated, um, is really important because it's almost like manifesting that destiny that when you talk about it, when you understand, when you make other people around you who are in championing positions for you, understand what your ambition is, right? Like you are just moving all of the pieces in the direction of achieving 
what it is that you are ambitious in achieve, to achieve. Um, and I think that's a really important thing. And that's what I, I really like about how you've articulated kind of what that future state for you would look like. And, you know, uh, I think in general, this conversation has been really fantastic and a, and a really vulnerable and transparent look into how a career evolves into a marketing leadership role like you have today. Um, so I want to thank you for, for jumping on the podcast and being willing to, to chat about this. This is fantastic. And I look forward to yeah. yeah having you back on when you are again, you know, advancing oh. and a marketing executive and we'll have to have you back on and understand how you, how you made the next jump. Oh, well, thank you. I, I thank you for manifesting that. And I appreciate you thinking of me for this. And this was such a great conversation. So thank you. Thank you.